Hey, I'm Matt. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Brew Roots. We take a behind-the-scenes look at the roots of your favorite local breweries and the stories behind them. I'm homebrewing like a madman, and building homebrew equipment for people on the side. It was fun, and I decided, well, I should try this professionally. Now on to the episode. Cheers. This week on Brewers, we uh, checked out Smutty Nose Brewery, which is located in Hampton, New Hampshire. We got to talk to the brewmaster there. He was pretty cool, uh, Steve Schmidt. Yeah, and uh, big shout out to our friend Doug. Thank you for uh, hooking us up on this interview. I think you guys are going to like it. This is kind of like a part one, part two episode. Uh, and boy, I mean, like, we could have went on for another two hours with this interview. And I think oh, our listeners probably Easily. wouldn't have been too bored. Um, but we got it down to a nice two 30-minute episodes. And uh, this is part one. Awesome. Yeah. So check it out. Make sure you listen to part two as well. Also, yep. we want to talk about they are having an upcoming fundraiser on May 24th. Matt, what's the name yeah. of it? Yeah, so it's New Hampshire SPCA Yappy Hour. Uh, every so it's like one dollar from every pint goes to this organization. So it's pretty cool. Uh, so that's really cool that Money Nose is doing it. And the best part about this, Allie, are you ready? Can I get a little drum roll? Okay. You can bring your dog. Oh boy. Oh my god. So, so for dog lovers, than- beer lovers alike. Come check it out if you're in the Hampton area. Yeah, Hampton, Hampshire. And I mean, I, what's better than you can get a good you can get a good beer, a great beer. Mm. Part mm. of that beer will go to some cute animals that are in need. And mm. three, you get to pet some really cute dogs. I don't see any negatives into that. And you that get literally upset. sounds like a, a great time to me. I don't see any. Yeah. Issues with that. Um, Also, I I want to bring up before we go to the interview, I just want to say that there is going to be a blog post that goes along with this. Um, It should be featured on the Smutty Nose website as well as our website, which is brewroots.com. And it's going to talk about Smutty Nose's um, IPA program that they're doing right now. And they have some pretty awesome stuff going on. So check it out. Uh, There's a whole report on it. (laughs) A nice little brochure, if you will. I think I was was really interested to do this. particular interview because doug from somebody knows talks steve up so much yeah you know, it, 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 you know sometimes when someone talks someone up it's like come on dude like this guy can't be this cool but i think you guys will notice like steve really is this cool he was a <laughs> semi-professional motorcycle dry- racer mm-hmm. uh <laughs> an engineer uh has been all over the world i'm gonna just let you guys listen to it because my whole time, I like my mouth was like, "Wait, really? This guy does all of this cool stuff?" And yeah, wow! I don't even know how he had all the time to do it. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome, and he does a really nice job at highlighting um, everything he's done, and it's really interesting to hear about him and how he got his start at Money Nose. Yeah, absolutely. So, without further ado, part one of episode one: the beautiful Steve Schmidt. How are you, Steve? I'm doing good. How are you, how are you guys doing? Good? Very excited to be here. Awesome. <laughs> good beer, good company, I'd say. <laughs> beer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, we were just talking about various things, you know, that, that you've done in a past life. Uh, <laughs> and the premise of this podcast is to tell the story, kind of, of the brewer and the, the, oh, cool. the stories that they bring to the table. Um, and Doug, 
told us that you have quite an interesting backstory. So I'm yeah. gonna just let you talk. And then we're gonna, <laughs> oh, we're gonna retort. <laughs> well, it depends what part. Um, Heard something about physics and then super bikes or something. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well. Okay. So. Um, well, I, you know, some of my background as far as brewing goes, it kind of started like a lot of brewers, I think, especially brewers from about the time period when I started, but it was a lot of home brewing um, type. So I definitely had a homebrew influence in my, my background. And at the time, I was finishing up my mechanical engineering degree, and I had a really close friend who the two of us were typical poor college students and we would save up our money to go buy what we thought was good imported beer. And at the time it was Watney's Red Barrel <laughs> at this little place in Rochester, New York. I went to RIT. Uh, that, and we would go and we literally would have had no money and we would just save up enough. And instead of buying the case of the Genesee Cream Ale or whatever was the cheapest thing at the grocery store, uh, no offense to Genesee Cream Ale. Actually, I've drank many of those over the years. And 12 Horse, which we admiredly called uh, 48 Feet for, for 12 Horse. And, and, that, and that, those were beers that were good mainstays when you had no money, except for we would save up to do this. And the, one of the first things that struck me and my buddy Tony right away was, why is this beer dark in color? Watney's Red Barrel was the one that was interesting for us. Why is it dark? And nobody could give us real good answers at that point. So we had to start doing research, and that led to, wow, this is really cool. And I didn't realize that beer would be different colors and all that kind of stuff, which then led to, did you know you can make beer yourself? And that really you know, kind of tickled my fancy. And I was like, oh, that's great. So tried making beer and very nasty, gross homebrew for a few batches uh, while I was learning because I didn't have a lot. In fact, it was the Charlie Papazian book that so many people have started was the first piece of literature I read on making beer. And that grew into making my own equipment to brewing three times a week um, <laughs> to supplying beer for my friends' bands for their band practices and stuff and that's where my beer side got in but before all this happened I literally wanted to be a mechanical engineer because all I wanted to do was build race cars and race motorcycles and that was it beer was sick, just a fun vehicle to enjoy myself with and, and not at any point that I really think I was going to have a career in making beer at that point. Yeah. To me, it seems that like a lot through our journeys, you know, talking with other um, brewers, I found that there's a big correlation between the tech industry and beer. And I myself am an electrical engineer. Okay. And <laughs> I think it's that we had this coping mechanism of drinking beer in school to get through education. Uh, I mean, I don't know, Steve, if that's something that you can, I don't know if that's something you can align with, but oh, yeah. that's my personal we, opinion. We definitely drank a lot of beer in school. So, yeah, a lot. It was really amusing, too, because we had it down to, like, a science. Uh, we, we, in Rochester, New York, they have a, a, a drive through beer store. Wow. Yeah, that was so cool. So, my, one of my classmates, Vinny, he didn't have class on Fridays. Well, there was one semester that he didn't have class on Friday. So we all had class in all of our other classes. We, most of us were done by noon on Friday. So Vinny's job was to go return the kegs from the last weekend, 
the, so that we can then put that towards the new kegs for this weekend. <laughs> and, and, that, and he would have them iced down and ready and tapped so that as soon as we got out of class, we all had beer immediately. Nice. So That's we, efficiency. Yes, it was great. Vinny, Uncle Vinny. Uh, so, yeah, it was so good. Because he had a minivan from his parents, so he could haul the beer. <laughs> I was riding a motorcycle at the time. That's all I had. So my year-round transportation for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, that was hard to get. I did get a keg on at once, though. That was fun. On top of your, your degree from RIT, you have a degree at, from University of California, Davis. Yes, I went through the, their Master Brewers program. So, yeah. walk us through a, a class, because Allie and I on the way here were discussing, and I said, do they go to class and drink? Do they go to class and <laughs> tap kegs? Like, what's going on in these classes? Um, actually, it was more intense than my engineering. Okay. It really, really was. Chemistry-wise, um, or...? Well, the way it works, I don't know what it is now. They've changed their format a little bit, but when I was going there, they only accepted 25 applicants for the program a year. Wow. And in order to get into the program, you had to have some form of engineering degree or some form of chemistry degree or some form of microbiology degree with classwork in the other, the other two. Because what they didn't want to do is it's such an intense class uh, coursework that they didn't want to have to teach you that because that's those are the building blocks for professional level brewing you have to know all those pieces and they wanted to just focus on how all that stuff relates specifically to making beer so that being the case I was lucky enough to have the mechanical engineering degree that so that was good and oddly enough because I'm a geek uh, I had taken a chemistry, extra chemistry classes so as electives instead of underwater basket weaving. Um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, so it was one of those things where I, it, I set myself up perfectly for it without even realizing that was the direction I was going to go. Got into home brewing, and then a friend of mine hired me only because I pestered him. I mean, if you ever interview him, I'm sure he'll tell the story. Probably a little different, but uh, I, he will certainly agree that was there was no chance that I was not going to be working there. I mean, I was literally going to camp out until he gave me the job. Um, can, you, uh, can you name drop? Was this absolutely. Dave Hartman, who Dave Hartman used to be the brewmaster at Long Trail for a long time. Oh, okay. And, uh, but, but when I met him, actually I'd met him years before on a motorcycle trip, but the different world weird circle of brewing um, he was the head brewer for Empire Brewing which was my first job and brew pub in Syracuse New York and he was running it and they were still opening and building it out and I would literally go down at least twice a week in the construction zone barge right in and and I need to talk to somebody about getting a job because I was home brewing like a maniac and and that caused me to uh, say, hey, I might want to do this for a living. And I'd been laid off as a, I worked for a new power plant. I was a design, one of the design engineers for the new power industry. Um, <laughs> and that got, I got laid off from that job and I was working in a fab shop and, and building machines, which was kind of cool actually, I enjoyed that. And in homebrewing like a madman and building homebrew equipment for people on the side. And cool. So it was kind of, it was fun, and I decided, well, I should try this professionally. And I figured the best way to do it was to take an entry-level job at the local brewery that was opening up. So that was in 94 um, when I started. And he 
had went to a homebrew meeting that we had in town, the Salt City Brew Club, and I had a bunch of homebrew there, and I knew he was coming, so I made sure to bring all of my lagers, because I've always loved brewing lagers, even as a homebrewer, and I brought all my lagers, and, and he, I gave him some, and he was like, holy shit, he's like, you made this? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, and of course I totally geeked out like most homebrewers ever do. Oh yeah, it's double decoction, blah, 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 you know, and, and he... You do everything down to the side. Oh yeah, and he, and he just was like, whoa. <laughs> and, and he just said, okay, well, you know all you're going to do is clean kegs and tanks for me for like the first year, right? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's fine, I don't care, I just want to learn. Uh, and he took me on and I cleaned lots of tanks and kegs for the first year but Dave pushed me because he is a UC Davis grad also and he really pushed me uh, to, to the right books and loaned me any book that he had and I built up my library and just read them cover to cover and he was a great mentor. To this day he, I really feel he gets zero, very little credit for how good a brewer he is in, in this country and I was very lucky to have him as my mentor when I started. So I credit him a lot. Tell us about the humble beginnings of Steve Smith. Uh, in what way? Uh, where, you know, where you're from, you know. Uh, where am I from? I'm from, uh, from Pennsylvania. Uh, Belfont, Pennsylvania is where I was born. So Central State. Uh, state, just a little, it's a town not too far away from State College. That's where my family partially is from. Okay. Uh, professor and stuff like that so we have state college people it's amazing I didn't go to state college uh, Penn State University but uh, didn't Uh, and they are so Pennsylvania then when I was young parents moved many times and where I feel like it really became me as a person was in in upstate New York in central New York technically around Syracuse area which is an interesting place to grow up in because it's great if you love the outdoors. Uh, good education system in New York, which was really beneficial to me, even though at the time I cared less. I was while well, I wanted to race cars, so all I wanted to do was race cars. <laughs> so I didn't pay attention to school too much when I was young. Um, but unless it was engineering or math, in which case that meant I could make a better, faster car. So <laughs> there was a focus there. <laughs> So that's that's what I did, and uh, it was great. Yeah. So in the course of that growing up in between Pennsylvania and the Syracuse area, what was your first memory of beer? That's actually fairly easy. Um, my father, Penn State guy, was watching a Penn State football game, and my dad's taste in beer is not good. So <laughs> I was maybe 13, and... Dad's getting ready to watch you know, the game, so he's going to have some beer. And he's like, could you, you know, get me a beer from the fridge? And I was like, okay. Uh, and I cheekily said, can I have one too, Dad? And he goes, yeah. I, I, uh, okay. I had never had a beer before that. So I grabbed it. It was red, white, and blue, one of the cheapest beers of all time. And knowing my dad, that's probably why he bought it. And he... You know, so I got one for dad, and I got mine, and I proceeded to take the first sip, and it was the nastiest thing I had ever drank in my life. And mind you, this is just a regular old adjunct-style Pilsner, probably maybe 11 IBUs. You know, as by today's standards, it had no bitterness, but to my taste buds, this was the most bitter, nasty stuff I'd ever put in my mouth. 
but dad was letting me drink a beer. So I watched the game, which I also do not care about football at all, but it was just <laughs> the fact that I was drinking a beer with dad watching a football game, so it was the most important part. And I proceeded to slowly drink that beer throughout the whole game, and I still don't think I finished it by the end. <laughs> so, that, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't exactly great. But then, then the magic moment happened. So my family also owned a pub at the time called the Utah House, which is just out, it's in Potter's Mill, which is just outside of State College. And they've always had Yingling on tap, and particularly Yingling Porter. So my uncle was doing, staying there for the summer, doing some you know stuff around the farm, because they had a, like a gentleman's farm. And I was helping out with that, and my uncle's, I was at the pub one day, and I'm like, could I have a beer? And Uncle Bert said, yeah, can't tell your mother or your aunt, but yeah, go ahead. So he poured me that, which was a Yingling Porter. And that one I actually liked. So that one had the flavors that I liked. And from then on, it kind of was like the, the go-to kind of, if I was going to try to drink a beer, that would I wanted these darker beers. Mm. Um, not knowing why, just did. And so that's, those are my two beer stories that really stand out in my life to me. Oh, yeah, and my uncle, uh, was since I was a little kid, would travel. My other uncle would travel the world. And when he was traveling the world, he'd collect beer cans. And he would give them to me. And so I had a beer can. I still have that beer can collection above my garage. And that's been in boxes for probably 15 years, and, or maybe longer. And it's like all these cool cans from around the world. I didn't realize it, but I was being kind of groomed uh, at an early age. I had no idea. Uh, and to this day, one day I'm going to drag those things out because they're really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's some really neat ones. So I guess fast forward to today. You work here at Smutty Nose, obviously. Um, what got you here? I mean, you've worked all over the world. Yeah, I've had a very blessed brewing career. Um, starting at Empire brewing that's actually I didn't I hadn't gone to Davis at that point I've started there read all the books and Dave at one point looked at me and goes why don't you go to Davis and I said I don't know and I decided to put in for the application process and I got accepted so Dave was like well I guess you're leaving <laughs> yeah well I guess I am so I left when I got done even before I got done with Davis, they contacted me, the owners. They were going to build two more breweries, and they wanted me to run the original one and then help with uh, Dave building out the other ones, and we ended up building two more breweries. And I got hired before I even finished at Davis, so I had a job before I left, which was great. Yeah? Yeah, it was great. I really blessed it that way. And then from there, I, went, I was there for seven years? There, I moved, my wife and I moved to Connecticut for her job, and I started doing some consulting, and then I got offered to do build a brew pub called Cambridge House in Granby, Connecticut, and I built that originally with um, the two owners, Steve and Scott, and, and that went really well. And then I got hired by Red Hook as their lead brewer during that time period also, so I was working both places simultaneously, which was a lot of work, 70-hour-plus work weeks and driving back and forth. and It was kind of crazy. And that was up here in Portsmouth, which is how I got to Portsmouth. Um, and I worked 
eventually I left Cambridge House, uh, which was fine, great people, just didn't work out. And then went, continued with my career at Red Hook, and then that lasted for about six years, seven years, that was another longer run. And then my wife got a great opportunity to move to Europe for her job. So I've been following my wife around. And um, so we moved to London. And we moved there. And I had all great intentions of just riding both my motorcycles, which I brought over with me, and racing, because I was big time into motorcycle racing at the time, and racing over there. And I just figured, ah, well, wife makes all this money. I'm just going to go play. And within a month, I got contacted by Alistair Hook, who owns Meantime Brewing Company, and they hired me because they needed to build a new brewery over in London. So I quickly was working. And so we built a pretty big brewery, actually. And that was, so I was the brewmaster for that. Well, technically, Ali is brewmaster, but I was, Ali was more of, uh, he's truly a brewmaster, so I mean, I can't take that away from him. But he, you know, he's a business guy, so he was really, really focusing on all the getting the money together and getting everything that going. And I was doing all of the designing, the you know, the layout of the brewery and design, getting the tanks built and make specking everything and making sure everything was being finished and built correctly and all that kind of stuff. And running the brewery because we're still brewing at the same time. Then we decided we wanted to come back to Portsmouth because we have a beautiful house here in Portsmouth. Luckily for us, before it got overly expensive to live in Portsmouth. And we wanted, we kind of missed Portsmouth, so that was about four years I did that. And just before that, I left Meantime and got offered a job from Rolex, who is a company that builds brew houses around the world, because I worked directly with Rolex because we had a Rolex brew house in Meantime, and working with their commissioning brewmaster that was for our, us to, to build our brewery. He, they contacted me, the owners, once I left Meantime and said, hey, would you want to be a commissioning brewmaster for our company? So I ended up with Rolex, which was wonderful. A nice Bavarian company with beautiful people who, in my opinion, are some of the nicest people I've ever met and, and worked for my whole, my whole career. Just great, great people. And brew built and uh, commissioned, oh boy, I a lot of brew houses around the world, traveled all over, constantly on the road with it and living in different countries, you know, for a short amount of time. And it was good. It was great. So it was fun and got to know even more people around the world in brewing. Yeah. Doug kind of mentioned the overall, the overarching like culture feel here is that you mm. kind of changed the tide. Once you came here, uh, That's what did, very nice of the beautiful. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> not to put you on, <laughs> not to put you on the spot, but what is something that was important for you to bring to Smutty Nose? That you know, I'm sure when you were talking with Peter, hmm. the owner of Smutty Nose, he must have said, you know, what is something you want to bring to Smutty Nose? I could be wrong, but um, you know, it's like what was something you wanted to bring, though? I think, for one, Peter kind of knew of me because I had obviously worked at Red Hook and it's a small community. Yeah. The brewing world's small. Especially this Yeah, absolutely. And we had met at, at beer events certainly over the years and uh, you know, they built this brewery. And building this brewery was much closer to my type of experience where with Red Hook, you know, a larger, you know, sophisticated, nice brew house and 
and all that. And then same thing with Meantime and then also working at Rolex. I had the skill sets that could work well with this, but I also started as a brew pub brewer. And I've been, I've always enjoyed the fact that I've really been from working my tail off in a brew pub, fully, fully manual, hands-on, up to fully writing, you know, working with programmers and writing code and, and designing brew houses, um, you know, and, and that, having that kind of mix works well for here because we do have three breweries. We have a brew pub. We have our old brewery, which is still, you know, it's Smut Labs. And we have this brewery, which is this fancy, nice, automated brew house. So I've kind of been in all those spots. And, and it works well to, I understand the problems of what you could do in a brew pub. And what you need to do to solve a problem there is very different from what you do to solve a problem here, even though we're making beer. But there's different things that you need to consider when you do that. And, and it's good. And I also, to be honest with you, I think he knew that I was a kind of a people person with the with the people that work here. I love my staff. They're the 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 really they're the ones that get it done. And I you know I had some rapport with a few of the key players, uh, Charlie Ireland, um, and I knew each other fairly well, uh, mostly from drinking beer outside of work for both of us. But we get along. And and, and another good friend of mine was working here at the time, and it, it we really. It just I knew the people, and I knew that they were good folks. And coming in, it was all true. They are all good people. And I knew Peter and Joanne were great people. And they had a similar vision. I wanted to open up my own brewery, I'll be truthful, when I came back from Portsmouth. I mean, back to Portsmouth. But when I started looking at the cost of doing it, the problem is I've been spoiled. I've been at some very nice breweries. I've worked to build very nice breweries for people. As much as I, don't, I wouldn't... I like the idea of starting fresh Peter's visions were very similar to where I wanted to be with my own brewery and you know I'm not a spring chicken anymore I'm, I mean this is my 50th birthday this year uh, I just had it recently and I happy birthday thank you so yeah I'll drink to that on part two they're good people so I just want to elevate us to the next level. I think Peter and I see very much eye to eye on a lot of subjects. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really made it uh, a good fit. I have a great appreciation for loggers. I'm a bit of a loggerhead, have been since, like I said, a home brewer. Um, because of the skill required to brew good, good loggers consistently is not as easy as it seems. Upstairs, but it's no good because you're.